0: Smells Jesus-y. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We are the aroma of Christ. God is spoken in many ways. Welcome to Smells Jesus-y, a podcast from Three Crosses Church. Today we have a very belated Halloween special. We're starting our series, The Gospel According to Moses. In this episode, Matt Waldron is speaking to us from Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 to 12 light of promise in the dark of fear. Here's Matt. Well happy Halloween for Thursday. Uh, it's good to see some of the kids dressed up this morning. I don't know if you've got anything planned. My children always want to dress up and trick-or-treat and sometimes I can distract them long enough to not have to do it but uh, this year I think they're uh, primed by all of the uh, advertising in the shops that they know it's coming so I'm going to have to do that with them but that's that's good fun and uh I think uh, the kids dressing up as something scary is a good way for them to process some of those fears, Uh, you know, things that go bump in the night, the monster in the wardrobe, whatever they've got from their cartoons. Hopefully, by the time they reach adulthood, they've got more of a leash on their imaginations. But of course, that doesn't mean that there are not real things to fear. We might fear losing a job, we might fear losing a relationship, we might fear not being able to escape uh, a relationship. We might fear commitment or responsibility. We might fear having to give a presentation. We might fear being laughed at. We might fear losing our health. We might fear losing our mind. We might fear pain. We might fear death. We might fear being rejected. And we might fear being alone. They're all real fears. I mean, some of those things we have a degree of control over. Some of them we have almost no control over. But how we respond to real fears can have a big impact on us and other people. So the Bible reading we just read told the story of Isaac being afraid that someone would kill him to take his wife. So he responded to his fear by lying and saying, "'She's my sister.'" The terribly uh, terrible irony, irony of course, is that that put her in much greater danger of being taken by another man. Well, the way circumstances worked out, as you heard in the story, uh, his lie was caught out without anything happening to Rebecca, and uh, the king of that region turns out to be a man who would be uh, horrified by that sort of thing and wouldn't tolerate that kind of thing happening in his kingdom. So it turned out there was no need. For Isaac to have been afraid. If only he could have known that in advance. Well, just before this incident, God appeared to Isaac. That's a pretty uh, special privilege. God himself appeared to Isaac and promised to be with him and bless him. So actually, Isaac did know in advance. He didn't need to be afraid. If only he would believe God's promise. And that, that story is a great example of really what the whole book of Genesis is about. The message of the book of Genesis is, uh, God made a promise, so we don't need to be afraid, if only we would believe it. So looking forward to Halloween today, I want to brief you, briefly tell you the story of the whole book of Genesis. Uh, and we're going to see that God's made a promise, so we don't need to be afraid, if only we'd believe it. So... Uh, Genesis basically has two parts, two main parts. Chapters 1 to 11 is the way of the world, and chapters 12 to 50, a much bigger part, the way of the promise. So firstly, chapters 1 to 11, the way of the world. First, there's an introduction in chapter 1, God creates everything. And the way uh, this is described, God creates everything uh, of order and fullness out of chaos and chaos emptiness so god creates everything by bringing order and fullness out of chaos and emptiness so uh It's described poetically God organizes time for light and time for dark and calls them day and night God organizes the sky to separate the universe up there from the world down here God organizes the world to have dry land and oceans and for those not to get confused God fills the universe with stars and fills the sky with birds and fills the seas with fish and fills the land with plants and animals and the climax of all of this order and fullness he creates people to be his children to have an orderly full family to enjoy it all with him and to look after it with him. But chapters 2 to 5 tell us the world is not like that now. Chapters 2 to 5 tell a very different story. Adam's family rejects God's blessing, bringing God's curse on themselves and the world. Now God's world of order and fullness is heading towards chaos and emptiness. And so the story of Adam's family is a story of fear deception and separation Uh, so Adam and Eve are in the garden of Eden and uh, God has told them they can eat from the fruit of any tree in the garden uh, but not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and uh, a snake talks to Eve and says is it true that uh, you can't eat from any tree in the garden that seems a bit mean and Eve says, no, no, we can eat from the fruit of any tree in the garden except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, we must not eat of that or touch it or we will die. Now, God never said they couldn't touch that tree. Uh, Eve has, instead of uh, trusting merely that God's system is organized and orderly and reliable, she's added a layer of fear on there that she doesn't want to touch the tree. Uh, in case something accidentally goes wrong. And so that sets up the serpent to be able to deceive her. Uh, he just lies and says, No, you won't die at all. Um, and so she uh, eats some of the fruit and gives some to Adam. And uh, then they are separated uh, from God, uh, from themselves and from their role in the world. Uh, They are embarrassed uh, of their bodies. They feel naked, whereas previously they felt no shame. They hide from God when they hear him coming. uh, And uh, God tells them there's going to be a problem in their relationships from, from now on. And ultimately, they will suffer the ultimate separation of death. And this continues with Adam's family. Uh, their sons fight and one kills the other as the, they have more children who have more children. Uh, this uh, fear and deception and uh, separation, even to the point of violence and death, uh, continues. So then chapters uh, 6 to 11, Noah's family fails to restore God's blessing. Uh, the world is full of fear and deception and separation, not only uh, Death that we would think of as natural, but violence and oppression. And so God uh, radically restores things to order by uh, wiping out the vast majority of the population, the vast majority of land animals. He sends a flood, uh, but he's told Noah uh, to uh, build an ark so that he and his family and... uh, Two of every kind of animal can be saved to start the world again. They're told to fill the world, so it'll be orderly and full again. But uh, very quickly, uh, Noah gets uh, drunk. Uh, Well, it can't be that quick because they've got to grow vines and everything. But, you know, as the story goes on, before Noah's even died, he's uh, drunk and involved in some kind of lewd incident with one of his sons. And uh, clearly, things are not restored to the order and fullness that God has planned for the world. So that's the way of the world. Uh, God has made things for order and fullness, but human beings move things towards chaos and emptiness in fear, deception, and separation. That's the curse. So that's the first part of Genesis, chapters 1 to 11, the way of the world. And so it's not just uh, an accident. Uh, If you feel like there are things that are real things that really scare you, that really worry you, Uh, that's not just you. That is indeed the way of our world. But most of the book of Genesis tells a different story. Chapters 12 to 50 tell us the way of promise. And uh, to get into that, there's a kind of of hinge transition at the start of chapter 12, uh, which is the promise to Abraham. Uh, God's blessing to the world through Abraham's offspring. So the way of the world is uh, people rejecting God's order and fullness and uh, experiencing fear and uh, deception and separation. And God has tried this radical restoration under Noah, but people have even rejected that. So what's God going to do? Give up? No. God makes a promise to restore things to blessing. Uh, So he promises Abraham, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give your descendants uh, this land uh, that you've never seen before. You're going to go there and I'm going to give it to your descendants. Uh, They're going to uh, become a great people. I'm going to give you many, many descendants. And uh, through your offspring, I'm going to give blessing to every family of the world. So all the peoples of the world will have God's blessing restored to them through Abraham's offspring pretty big promise and this connects uh, with the rest of the book of Genesis and also with us so it connects with the rest of the book of Genesis Uh, there's a a curse back in chapter 3 where Adam and Eve bring God's curse on the world when God curses the snake uh, he uh, promises that well he he makes this curse that the snake will be uh, crushed by Eve's wounded offspring So he says, uh, you know, her offspring will, you'll uh, snap at his heel, strike his heel, but he'll crush your head. So this uh, deception that uh, sticks human beings in fear and separation will be crushed by Eve's wounded offspring. And then at the end of the book, at the other end of the book, uh, uh, one of the descendants of Abraham, uh, Jacob, makes a prediction for one of his sons, Judah, that the obedience of the world will be turned to one of his offspring. So he's basically predicting that one of his offspring is going to be the king of the world. Well, these promises connect to us because Jesus has fulfilled these things. Uh, So if God has made a promise to bring blessing to all the world, and we're part of the world, well... God's made a, press, a promise to us. And how does Jesus fulfill that? Well, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus is described this way. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So there you have very clearly the promise to Abraham for blessing to the world comes to people by trusting Jesus. And uh, this whole promise, the way it connects with the whole book of Genesis, is fulfilled in Jesus. So uh, the curse on the snake is going to be crushed by uh, Eve's wounded offspring, that's Jesus. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. So uh, Jesus' death by crucifixion, Uh, was a death that represented God's curse on us. But instead of us having to suffer God's curse anymore, Mm -hmm. Jesus has taken it in our place so that we can be set free. And finally, uh, that means we are to turn and obey Jesus. So Jesus uh, himself said, after he'd been raised from the dead, in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20 all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there's uh, God's promise to Abraham, the kind of uh, hinge in the book of Genesis that makes the whole book of Genesis stick together, and also which shows that this applies to us through jesus so there's the start of seeing the gospel according to moses uh, as a little preview of the next few weeks so back to genesis we've seen the way of the world in chapters 1 to 11 Uh, god brings uh, order and fullness out of chaos and emptiness but people keep messing that up with fear deception and separation Uh, god has made this incredible promise to abraham of god's blessing to the world through abraham's offspring And we know that comes to us through Jesus. So what does that mean for life now? We see that in chapters 12 to 50, the way of promise. So we have three big kind of stories uh, in the rest of the book. Chapters 12 to 24, Abraham's family starts despite fears. Chapters 25 to 36, Isaac's family grows despite deception. And chapters 37 to 50, Jacob's family prospers despite separation. Although fear, deception and separation work their way through all of these stories, there is a kind of general movement of emphasis. So in chapters 12 to 24, uh, Abraham has a, a genuine fear for food. Uh, he's living as a nomad in a place where he's a stranger. And uh, so it's difficult to make sure you've got food. Uh, he's fearful for his safety, physical safety of you know what people are going to do and whether he'll be safe. And he's also childless, so he's fearful of not having a legacy. And in that situation, God promises to bless him, to care for him, to provide for him, to keep him safe, and in fact, to build a great people out of this fearful, childless man. So uh, Abraham, unfortunately, uh, although he trusts God, and that's critical for him uh, obtaining God's promise he's also scared at the same time so uh, he flees to Egypt when there's a famine Uh, he also uh, like his son after him uh, lies about his wife uh, being his sister and so unlike uh, his daughter-in-law Sarah is basically abused by that behavior she's taken uh, by the pharaoh as a wife so although you know Abraham's not killed. Sarah is terribly mistreated by his lie Uh, and uh, they've got no children and God promises to give them children. So uh, Abraham and Sarah cook up this plan to have a child through Sarah's slave, uh, Hagar. So uh, Abraham in his fear to keep himself safe is ironically... uh, leading to the abuse of his wife and directly abusing her slave woman. Despite that fearful behavior, uh, Abraham believes God and God keeps his promise. So uh, although Abraham's kind of running away from the land God has promised to him, uh, God uses that to make Abraham wealthy in Egypt. Uh, Despite the fact that uh, Abraham has failed to protect his wife, Sarah, God protects her and uh, sends plagues uh, on uh, Pharaoh's family. Uh, And so they figure out something's going on and uh, give her back to Abraham. And despite the fact that uh, Abraham and Sarah have tried to have a child through uh, a slave, God promises to give them a child of their own even though Sarah's barren and too old. And uh, not only does they, do they get that child, Isaac, uh, God also promises to look after Ishmael, even though Abraham has failed to do that. So Abraham's family gets off to this great start, despite Abraham's fears. And then, uh, through his son and uh, grandson, uh, Isaac's family grows despite deception. Uh, so Abraham's deception of uh, lying about Sarah being his uh, sister, uh, that becomes something of a family tradition in the next generation. So not only does Isaac do the same thing, uh, Isaac deceives uh, his neighbour uh, about Rebecca, his wife. Uh, he gets her back, as we read in the Bible reading. And then his son Jacob, his younger son, deceives Isaac, his father, to get the, the blessing of the oldest son, so, uh, you know, that seems like a bit of uh, kind of rough justice. But then, uh, as, Isaac, as Jacob goes on with his life, uh, potentially as a deceiver, oh, Jacob, the name means deceiver. So it's very clear that this story is supposed to be about deception in the family. Uh, then his, uh, his uncle, uh, Laban, uh, deceives Jacob and tricks him into marrying the daughter that he doesn't want to marry. <laughs> Uh, which then results in uh, Jacob marrying two wives, who become terrible competitors. Uh, To the extent that as part of their competition, they then give their slaves to Jacob as wives number three and four. Uh, So this whole thing is relationally a disaster. Uh, Isaac is, uh, you know, not popular with his neighbours because of his deceiving them. Uh, Jacob causes this terrible rift in the family by deceiving his father into giving him the blessing of the oldest son. And uh, Laban deceives Jacob into uh, eventually having four wives who are all in competition with each other. But, despite all of this, uh, God protects the family... Uh, protects Rebecca from being taken by another man, uh, protects Jacob from uh, his uh, older brother taking revenge on him and indeed does give him the blessing that he only obtained by deception. And uh, despite the fact that he's had all these children uh, through terrible circumstances, uh, God gives the blessing to all of them. Whereas in previous generations, he only gave the blessing to one of the offspring. So Isaac's family grows and grows God's blessing despite their deception. And then chapters 37 to 50, Jacob's family prospers despite separation. Uh, Here, the separation uh, could be uh, violent. Well, sorry, it's violent. It could be death. But uh, they decide, so there's this rivalry between Joseph and his older brothers. And so they talk about killing him, but decide instead to sell him into slavery and just tell their father that he's been killed killed by wild animals. Uh, Joseph is sold into slavery uh, and then uh, in slavery he's betrayed by his mistress uh, who uh, says that uh, he's trying to rape her, which is not true, um, but he remains uh, a faithful uh, servant and worker despite being jailed wrongly. And then ultimately he uh, becomes... Uh, like the Egyptian Prime minister, second only to Pharaoh, uh, he's given an Egyptian name, he's given an Egyptian uh, wife who's uh, the daughter of a priest. So he becomes kind of thoroughly Egyptian. So he's separated from his family physically, he's uh, separated from God's justice, by you know mistreatment and betrayal, he's separated from God's blessing by becoming an Egyptian instead of faithful to his own family, and yet. Jacob's family prospers despite the separation. God uses these circumstances to uh, look after uh, Joseph's brothers. They come to Egypt uh, looking for food, and Joseph's the man in charge. And Joseph forgives his brothers. Uh, Joseph remains faithful to doing the right thing and following God's ways, despite the fact that people have not treated him that way. And he preserves his family, giving them a special place to live and making sure they're looked after in Egypt. So Jacob's family prospers despite uh, the separation. So it's a whole stack of examples piled on top of each other, developing how uh, God is working in his world where people are taking things into chaos and uh, uh, emptiness by fear deception and separation but god is working in the midst of that to bless to give order and fullness and so uh, joseph sums this up at the end of the book uh, where his uh, father dies and his brothers are a bit nervous about whether things are going to continue the way they have and so joseph says you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives So then, don't be afraid. Despite the fact that the world continues to contain things that are legitimate fears, this deception, separation, even to the point of death and violent deaths, God has promised to give his blessing. And so, God is doing that even in the midst of. Of fear and deception and separation and so we don't need to be afraid if only we will trust God's promise that's the light of promise in the dark of fear the problem is not other people that's a very common fear in our world uh, the problem is the other people so you'll see this sometimes when people can't get work then their fear will be Migrants coming into the country and taking all the jobs. Uh, But the the way of the world shows us the problem is not other people. The problem is just people like us. And God has promised to put an end to fear and deception, selfishness and violence through Jesus. And he's proved that by raising Jesus from the dead. So we just need to trust God's promise in the meantime. Uh, God promises to bring blessing. Even in the midst of real fears, we don't need to be afraid. We just need to trust God's promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to uh, understand your plan. That you've promised to bring blessing back to the world. The order and fullness that you always plan that you always work that you've promised to do that through Jesus and indeed you've started to do that through Jesus so please help us to be patient with our legitimate fears the things that are wrong with the world still help us to trust you that you really do give blessing you really do bring good even out of the midst of the chaos in our world still and thank you that one day Jesus will come back And restore the world fully. And uh, so help us to cling to that promise, both for the future and your promise of blessing now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.